the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Verse 12, so speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Pastor Leighton Sheely is continuing to take us through the book of James on this broadcast called Study Verse by Verse. He's the senior pastor at Church of the Highlands in San Bruno, and there on the web at highlands.us. You can listen to all of the messages in this series on the book of James when you go there. Again, that's highlands.us. And this being Friday, I want to share some of the details regarding the service times at the church on Sunday and actually Saturday evening. I'll do that at the end of the broadcast. Pastor Layton is starting a new message in this series today and begins with just a bit of background. I'm going to invite you to turn in your Bibles to James chapter 2. James chapter 2. And as you're turning there, I want to remind you that James is not so much interested with the correct and accurate uh, verbal expression of doctrine as he is with its living expression. He wants Christians to be better Christians. It is considered to be the earliest book of the New Testament era. It was written during one of the times of early persecution against Christians, recorded for us in the book of Acts chapter 8. Religious leaders like Saul of Tarsus were out imprisoning and killing followers of Christ. The Romans, uh, under the leadership of Herod, had killed James, the brother of John. He wanted to do the same with Peter, but God had other plans. And in that time of persecution, the gospel and the believers were spread out from Jerusalem into Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. so James is the pastor of the, the head church, the main church in Jerusalem, and, and he, he's concerned about the spiritual welfare of those who have been dispersed abroad. And so he sends this letter. In the first letter, he reminds his suffering brothers and sisters that they should not be surprised when times of testing comes. And he prepares them for the test by giving him guidance and strategy, which applies not only to them, but also to us as well. So our study today commences with chapter 2. It reads, My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothes comes into your assembly, and a, a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, You sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, You stand over there or sit down at my feet. Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he has promised to those who love him? But you've dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you are called? The noble name that was called upon you. It's an expression that reveals an Old Testament background because a person was dedicated to God by calling God's name over them. By that act, they indicated that they belonged to God. 
When we call ourselves Christians, we are, are declaring that we belong to Christ, that we are His people. That, that same word is used when a wife takes upon herself the name of her husband or a child takes upon the name of the, of the, the parents have given them. And so when a Christian takes the name of Christ, what we're saying is that we are the, the bride of Christ, as the Scripture calls us, or we're being christened into the family of Christ. And it talks about the rich, and they, and they would have had many reasons for being very insulting to Christianity and Christ. Um, for instance, I'm told that by the third century, 50% of the slaves on the streets of Rome were believers. And these believers, when a slave became a believer, they weren't the same person anymore. And that frustrated their, their owners. A, a slave that knew Jesus as, as Savior and Lord would have a new independence. They wouldn't cringe at their master as they had before because they recognized that their master has a master. And they wouldn't live in the terror of death and punishment because they, they know that there is life hereafter. And they would have reported to a higher standard of law than the master's law. And so there would be things that the master would demand of them. They say, I can't do that because it's in violation of God's law and God's law takes precedence. And so they would have been frustrated that they couldn't dominate their slaves as they had previously. And today, the well-to-do and the powerful continue to blaspheme the name of Christ and look down upon those who believe because they can't dominate us as they would like. Verse 8, if you really fulfill the royal law according to the Scripture, you shall love the Lord, your neighbor as yourself, you're doing well. But if you show partiality, you're committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. So, uh, James marks and distinguishes between the Old Testament law and the perfect law, as he describes it in chapter 1, verse 25, and here the royal law. And it's called the royal law for several reasons. First off, um, it is the supreme law to which all of the other laws are subordinate. And Jesus makes this clear. When he was asked, what is the greatest law, what did he say? Love God love your neighbor as yourself. If you do these, you've covered all of the Ten Commandments and all of the other laws as well. And so it was the royal law because it was the, the, uh, the highest law, but it was also the royal law because it came from the ultimate royalty, Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So to show favoritism is not some insignificant fault or social impropriety. It is sin. And anyone that shows favoritism is breaking the supreme law of love for his neighbor. The right course of action is to show favor to everyone. Verse 10, For whoever keeps the whole law but fails at one point has become guilty of all of it. For he who said, Do not commit adultery, also said, Do not murder. And if you do not commit adultery but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. You know, there may have been a tendency on the part of the early church, like our tendency is, to rank sins like we do crimes. Like there's infractions and misdemeanors and felonies. And we have a tendency to do the same thing with sins. You know, that's only a little white lie. It's only a little, it's a little, it's a little thing. But James here is laying down a principle that to break any part of, the, of God's law is to be a transgressor of the law. And he, 
in order to uh, communicate this, he, he chooses two sins from the Big Ten. When I say the Big Ten, I'm talking about the Ten Commandments. And these two were not chosen haphazardly because they relate to how we bestow honor on our fellow human beings, how we treat our fellow human beings. How we treat our fellow human beings is always important. And when we view it from this perspective, favoritism is not insignificant. Verse 12, So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So he says, so speak and so act. And it's in the present continuous tense, meaning that it's to be continuing action. And to do so because we're in light of the judgment of believers that is going to happen at the judgment seat of Christ. He talks about the law of liberty, which we looked at when we studied verse 25 of chapter 1. But basically, a summary is is that unlike the, the external laws, the law of liberty is the law that that God's Holy Spirit is placed within our hearts and that God's Holy Spirit helps us to fulfill. It, it, it is a, a desire to uh, please Christ because of our love for Christ, because of His love for us. But this is, this is something I, I don't want you to miss. He who shows mercy will find mercy. He will, who shows mercy will find mercy. This is a principle that runs all throughout Scripture. Jesus said... Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Now, that doesn't always apply in this world. We might be merciful to somebody, and we never get it back. It doesn't always apply in this world, but it always applies in the next world. Because Jesus said, as He gave the disciples the Lord's Prayer, if you forgive men their trespasses your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And judge not that you be not judged, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. You know, when we experience the mercy of God, we respond by being merciful to others. And mercy should always be a characteristic of someone who has been saved. And if somebody claims that they've been saved and there's no mercy, there's something very, very wrong with their claim. Now, James here has been presenting us a picture of a church that has been under the influence of its surrounding culture. And we are called to a higher calling. Unfortunately, the churches still tend to be an awful lot like their surrounding culture. I think of the church in America where the, the divorce statistics from people inside of church is almost the same as from people outside of church. There should be a difference. There should be a difference. And there needs to be a difference if we are going to fulfill our calling to be salt and light in our world. Lord, we're so thankful for your word and how challenging and clear it is. 
We're so thankful for your Holy Spirit. Lord, help us to bring honor and glory to you in all we think, say, and do. May we always treat others with favor. May this church be filled with your love to overflowing. For those who are with us every week and for those who come through the doors for the first time, that you may be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, Amen. Yes, amen. I hope you've enjoyed this study in the book of James. It will continue when we start on Monday at this same time with another edition of Study Verse by Verse. We're featuring the teaching of Pastor Leighton Sheely. He's the senior pastor at Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. And this being Friday, let me share the service times. Uh, They start on Saturday at 5 p.m. And then Sunday, 7 a.m., 8.30 a.m., 10 a.m., 11.30 a.m., and then a service at 5 p.m. All the details are on the website at highlands.us. That's highlands.us. I'm Mike Trout. Thanks for joining us. I hope you have a great rest of your day and a wonderful and blessed weekend. And we'll be back with us on Monday at this same time when we'll once more open the Word of God to the book of James and study verse by verse.